So, who who in the room is here because you're not necessarily the person running a youth ministry, but you, you might be a, a lead pastor somewhere or something like that, or the person in leadership responsible to lead the youth person who's running the youth group? Are there people in that kind of a category in the room? Beautiful. Yeah, we'll chat in a bunch of ways. It'll be really helpful for you. Um, who here is the person, I guess, directly responsible for leading the whole of their youth ministry? A lot of you. That's to be predicted. Awesome. Um There'll probably be a handful of people who are responsible for aspects within the youth ministry as well. Is someone like responsible for? Yeah, well, so, yeah. If you're not responsible for the whole, but a particular bit, chuck your hand up. What? Yeah. What are some of the things you guys are doing? Friday night. Okay, so you're specifically Friday. running that Friday night program. Other hands that went up. Where were they? Yep. What's your specific area? Uh, the senior high. Okay. Oh yes. Yep. 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 Uh, mission. Okay, so driving that purpose of mission within the whole youth group. Yep. Other hands that went up that, yep. Ministry. So getting youth particularly on board with serving in the ministries in the youth group. Yep. Other hands that went up that were a bit, other ones, yep. Junior high. What's that? Junior high. Junior high, so running the junior program. Yep. Any other hands? Awesome. All right, that's helpful just to know. Um, another thing that um, this is zero to do with bragging rights or anything like this, but rather just to give me a sense of who's in the room, so don't misunderstand this all, but um, who here would have less than 25 youth in their youth program, just roughly, yeah, so a good number of you under 25, who would have um, less than 80 in their youth programs, yeah, that's a wonderful, yeah, and is there any people with like more than 80 in their youth programs, most folks, a handful as well, okay, so it's worth acknowledging that there's a diversity of um, responsibilities we have in our youth ministries and also just a diversity of sizes. Um, as much as I can, I'll be working really hard today to talk in terms of principles, not um, prescription of what you should do um, because of the diversity of our size. So I'll do that as much as I can. Um, but in all honesty, the majority of my youth ministry is in a particular context here at EV and so I'll have to draw on that from time to time. But any time I'm talking about my own church, don't think I'm telling you what to do and do it my way. I'm just talking about my own experience in ministry here. Um, so one obvious diversity we're going to talk about is the fact that we've got different diversity of sizes in our youth groups, which dramatically shapes what you do and don't do in your youth groups in the context of size. Um, another thing that creates, that it just brings diversity to what we're doing in our youth ministries is um, some people will be operating with a um, homogenous unit principle in youth ministries where you're seeking to, so homogenous units when you grab a bunch of people who are similar for a particular reason, whatever that is, and seek to reach them and grow them as Christians, like you know, convert them and see them grow as Christians as a group. So any youth groups that's primary expression of the youth group is when they get together on a Friday night with just the teenagers there and the leaders leading them, that's homogenous unit ministry in that context when you grab them and that's what you do with them. Um, but there'll also be people whose youth, youth ministry, the shape of that is that the goal would be to grab teenagers and, and also meet teenagers that grow up in your church and see them grow up in the faith or see them converted by bringing them into the diverse adult church life as the primary way of doing youth ministry. So both of those are things that people do and um, seek to run their youth ministries through. Um, or you might have a combo, which is probably more common, where you might do something that is essentially a homogenous unit thing where you'll run a Friday night program or a Sunday afternoon thing or something like that. Um, and that's for teenagers specifically. Come on in, don't be shy, and sit on the back bench is my suggestion. Sorry for lack of space. Um, 
Yeah, so you might do a combo where you're doing something that's essentially a homogenous unit thing on a Friday night or something like that, and then you might be trying to get your youth into church gatherings on a weekend or find other ways to connect to the whole church life. Um, I'm not going to try and win any arguments about this today because um, it's not the point of the seminar, but I would say while ever you're doing things using that homogenous unit principle in your ministries, if you are doing that, recognise that there's a there's a potential shadow attached to that way of doing ministry, which is um, you don't want to do homogenous unit stuff in such a way that people will never grow to maturity to appreciate the, the breadth and diversity of God's people. So you don't want to just see people saved through a homogenous unit ministry or grow up in it and never move them on to maturity where they can enjoy and appreciate and engage with the wider body of Christ. You don't want to just leave them there forever. You want to move people along in their maturity such that their allegiance is to Christ, not um, a teenager in a youth group or a young adults church or I go to Christian service or whatever homogenous unit you choose. Um, but the second thing to say is people who are pretty um, against homogenous unit ministries often end up running a bit of a homogenous unit in their own church, which is people who don't like homogenous unit stuff and like diversity, and that is a homogenous <laughs> unit of people as well. And so, anyway, there you go, worth noticing that. Um, next question I want to talk about is this. What is the goal of... This is another diversity, right? This is the thing that we'll have plenty of variation on. It's this, what's the, what is the goal of your youth ministry? What would you say is the purpose of your youth ministry? What are you trying to do? Um, that's a worthwhile question asking, and you'll hear lots of diverse ideas about that. Are people brave enough to shout it out? Maybe you have a sentence that captures that or something like that. What's, what's the goal of youth ministry? Yep. Make and grow disciples. Make and grow disciples, yep. Beautiful. Other ones? Hard to disagree with that as well, right? But yeah. <laughs> to grow a community of followers of Christ. Yeah, to grow. Yeah, so not just individuals, a community of followers of Christ. Yeah, come on in. Don't. Yeah, come on in and find a space. Sorry for the squashiness. Good. Feels like you've been a bit Yeah. Other 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 visions. Uh, I grow a community of other centered, uh, other people centered uh, youth who love Jesus and His world. Yeah. yeah. Lots of these are quite comprehensive because they might represent your youth group's mission as a whole. Um, to give the spectrum of things you could encounter, um, worst case scenario, some youth groups exist primarily as a form of babysitting. That's, that's the thing that can happen. Well, not babysitting, teenage sitting or whatever you call it. So church is on, we've got to do something for them or we've got to keep them occupied on a Friday night so they don't get drunk, let's... You know, you know, worst case scenario, it can be glorified babysitting. Um, some youth groups can exist with quite a narrow focus of really, this youth group exists for evangelism. And we've got other ways that we want to see our... So I guess you might talk about your Friday night. They might say our Friday night is for evangelism and our Sundays and what we do there and the whole packages to mature our youth or something like that. Um, some youth ministries might primarily exist to see youth matured as Christians and they have a bit of an eye to the non-Christian. Um, almost the inversion of the last thing I said. So there's a whole diversity of different things you might be doing in your youth ministry. It's worthwhile being aware of that and being clear on it yourself into what, what you're trying to do there. Um, another question, that, and this captures our diversity, and we're almost done with this stuff and we'll dive into stuff. Um, another thing that is helpful to, a helpful question to ask, and there's, there'll be plenty of answers to this, but in fact, turn to the person next to you and ask this question, when do your youth go to church? Okay. Chat to someone nearby. When do your youth go to church?
what did you say? Like, there's not too many answers to this, right? But yeah, what did you just say? Some of the answers were... Whenever everyone else starts. Yeah, so our youth go to church when the rest of the church gathers on a Sunday, presumably. Yep. Anyone have any different answers to that? Fridays and Sundays. Yeah, a combo. Yeah, that, that's kind of where we sit here at EV. So we would say that one expression of church is what we do on a Friday night. Um, but it's definitely not the only expression of church, but it is an expression of church in that they're gathering with God's people around the word, um, praising him, sitting under the preachment and so on. So we do that. Um, but we also have an important complementary expression of church as they also gather on a Sunday. But we recognise that actually, for some of our kids, some of them aren't yet engaged in that Sunday expression of church, but the goal is to see them land there, not just stay in this place on a Friday night. Um, but it's, it's worthwhile being clear on what you think your youth ministry is as you, you know, shape your practice as well. Um, and so if, and if you're saying um, church for our youth is Sunday, then what's a very clear implication of that? What, what, what is an important goal to have if that's the case? What are you trying to do? As soon as possible, you want to see anyone who's a Christian landing in your church, of course. Um, one other little aside, and this is, a, again, a diversity thing that is it's worthwhile covering. Um, I've been talking about this for a long time. Um, a classic thing that I hear from lots of people is they'll say, is your youth ministry a discipleship ministry, or is your youth ministry a, like a fun, attractional youth ministry? What, what youth ministry are you? I don't know if you've heard that question before, but books have been written about it. Lots of people have strong convictions around that question. Um, and I want to go on a limb and say, I think that's a bit of a silly question to ask and a bit of a false dichotomy to draw, in my opinion. I just don't think you have to choose. To, um, to quote the great poet from that old El Paso commercial, why not have both? Um, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I honestly don't think you have to choose. I think our youth ministries should be fun, but that's not the most important thing. But I think they should be fun. They're youth ministries. They're not just a normal church. Um, and the blockage to doing both isn't that you have to choose. The blockage would be time and resources. So if you've got adequate leadership and you've got the ability to invest that leadership in making your youth ministries both fun, where you do a bunch of just crazy stuff that is fun and is attractional and appealing to the outsider, culturally on point, as we are talking about this morning, um, that takes energy and effort and time. But if you can do that, and of course, go about the core business of seeing people discipled, do both. <laughs> if you have to choose, then you want to see people discipled. But I don't think we have to choose. Just run a longer program if you have to do more things in the night. Recruit leadership to, to, to yeah. Anyway, I don't think you have to choose. But if you did, obviously choose discipleship um, because the other doesn't really do anything on its own. Anyway, there's a bunch of things that will just kind of capture some of the diversity that exists in our youth ministries around the country um, and a bunch of things that are worthwhile thinking about before we then land in the context of thinking about how youth ministry lands in the wider ecosystem. So on all that stuff we've just talked about, though, do people have any questions? Anything you want to raise? Questions? Thoughts? Encouragement? What do you got? Yeah. Go just one thing on what you just said about mm. fun, mm. and um, do you think it's true, though, that sometimes the focus is so much on the games and the fun element that you kind of start to think of um, magnification is the M language in terms of... So, like, you mean you, a music ministry, don't you mean? Uh, By magnification. Like, oh, uh, like, in terms of, I don't know, enjoy, the joy element of it, I guess. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. Um, 
we kind of ruin or kind of turn people's attention away from the discipleship teaching stuff because we do so well at the games. And yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's always a possibility. I think the things that will impact whether the crazy fun you're having cuts across the, the, the sobriety of engaging in learning about Jesus and knowing Him, the thing that undercuts that isn't usually that both are present in the one program or on the one camp or something like that. I think it's a big piece is how you emotionally shepherd people throughout a night. It's the same with our gatherings, actually. So you could MC a, a gathering where um, you sing and the word's read, and then the MC gets up and goes, all righty, that was rad, wasn't it? And kind of, and you kind of give people whiplash out of what they're doing. I need doing. three volunteers. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to throw cake at them. You know, so, um, so the way you transition people through those changes, I think, is probably more jarring than... than you can just like you have a bunch of fun, do a bunch of crazy stuff, and then go, "Hey, we're going to change gear. We're going to do something really different. We're going to do something really important. We're going to look at the Bible now. Let's let's do that. Take a moment, get your head right." And teen like adults are different to teenagers, so it would be really weird if we ran um, our evangelism adult evangelism ministry with crazy games up the front and cakes being smashing faces, and then right, we're going to hear about the meaning of life. I'm going to get up our that would be really weird for adults, but teenagers seem fine with it, in my opinion. Um, and so I just think you can do both. So there's that piece. And in all honesty, the other thing that I've seen in terms of having um, a youth ministry that's attractional and fun and crazy good stuff going on and deep discipleship, I think the blockage isn't that both those things are present in your program. Where I think you can hit a tipping point is when your youth ministry starts attracting so many non-Christians to it, the non-Christians themselves are probably a bigger factor in terms of the damage they might do to the ability of the youth ministry to see youth disciple. Um, but of course, discipleship isn't just maturing people, it's seeing them reached as well. So you also, it's a very great opportunity to see people reached. But even a, a, a big mob of naughty kids can impact your ability to evangelism well to the good kids who aren't Christian, but they're good kids. So anyway, so I think who you attract is probably bigger than having elements in the program, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so to give you some idea, like we, um, I, as far as I'm aware, put your hand up and tell me if you're preaching longer than us, because I love someone to be. But we tend to preach like 30 minute sermons, 20 to 30 minute sermons on a Friday night to our youth, and do discussion groups and Bible studies and all that as well. And also spend a lot of time doing crazy, stupid stuff to attract people here. Like we just do both. Our program runs for two and a half hours. If you've only got an hour, good luck. That'll be very hard. Um, but if you just run along the program, you can. Do more things in it, or do multiple things. Anyway, yeah. Um, other questions before we dive into this idea of youth ministries that sits within a, a church ecosystem. Any other questions? All right, good. Um, well, let's um, let's dive in, and um, we've already talked about what this is about. I don't need to tell you. You know what we're doing. Let's. Um, I'm going to be speaking to the headings that are in. That the other seminars are on actually, and so those headings in your book. So, the first one is was community integration and flows. I'm not going to talk lots about community today in terms of community within your youth ministry. I'm rather going to talk about um, yeah how the this <coughs> um, So, this is just a general ministry thing, but it's there's a bunch of complexities around this. But I'm going to talk a bit about people flow through your ministry. So not um, so not in a calendar year, but as in 
flow from kids to youth into other places and so on. It's really important to talk about that. Um, so some ministries are essentially like a river where people are flowing through your youth, your ministry. And youth ministries are almost by nature what they are, river ministries. And so people come from somewhere, usually out of kids, and they'll flow through that ministry and pop out the other side somewhere. Um, but lots of ministries can be river ministries. So a university ministry, AFES group, um, some whole churches are river ministries if you are in a church in the middle of a city or something like that where there's a general expectation that people tend to be flowing through and moving out to other places. That can happen. Um, but youth ministry is usually by nature a river ministry unless you're not operating with the homogenous unit Friday night type thing and what you're trying to do is from the get-go, I was a baby and I was in this church on a Sunday morning and I... Turn 70 here, you, you could do ministry that way where you're growing up functionally in a church gathering and there's no river ministry to flow through the formal youth group. Um, and then um, a dam ministry, like a rivers flow somewhere. So a dam ministry would be somewhere like a, a stable morning church congregation where people tend to flow into it and don't particularly have wholesale lots of reasons why they're always going to be leaving it. And so they people might end up there at, I don't know, what, 25 or something, and stay there for the rest of their lives, conceivably. Um, so, you know, there's dam ministries, river ministries. Where the spots for youth ministries is you want to think about the the flows, ins and the flows out, and even internal flows within youth ministry. There's kind of um, transition gaps to be made there. It's really important to think about this stuff. And so, first of all, first of all inflows. Um, people will come to your youth ministry in one of two ways. They'll either come because they're outsiders who are Christians who've moved in or, best case scenario, people who evangelised, reached and, and brought into youth ministry. Um, or they'll come from your kids' program, pretty much. They're going to come from one or two places, the outside of your kids' program. Um, and so what that means is you really want to pay attention to that. Uh, you want to pay attention to that flow and you need to recognise that kids' ministry is your friend. Um, so if you're someone who sits over... like say, all of next generation ministries, kids, youth, and so on, that's pretty easy to work out because you, you know that's the case. But if you're the youth person and as a kids person, kids are not your enemy. <laughs> they are your best friend. But it is very tempting to fight them. Like, what are the reasons you end up being tempted to fight with the youth ministry? Not physically, in the great school. Yeah, you, you, you're, there's a tension. Who, who's going to get leaders? Who's going to get resources? All that kind of stuff. Um, so there's, there's reasons why there's um, tension points. But, man, kids ministry is massively your friend. Um, and, it, and it all does flow. So the youth flow through, but often leadership will flow through from your kids' ministry into youth ministry sometimes too. Um, quick note on staffing. I reckon for those of you particularly who are overseeing things at a higher level, um, you might be trying to work out when you'd want to staff a youth ministry, when you'd want to staff a kids' ministry and things like that, as opposed to just simply having it run by volunteers. Um, no, I mean, there's a million things you could do with that. I'm not going to tell you how to do it exactly. But one thing I'd say is if you're in a church where you don't currently have a strong youth ministry and there's I know, three kids in youth ministry or whatever and you're a long way from putting a staff member on that, that makes plenty of sense. But the place to watch and pay attention to to project when you're going to need to staff is obviously your kids' ministry. So keep an eye on your kids' ministry. And what you don't want to do is notice that oh, there's... 20 year six kids who are about to leave us and join year seven next year, we better scramble and find a youth ministry and a person to drive it. You don't, don't do that. Watch the flow. And so if you see that your primary ministry is three, four, five, is starting to fill up, 
you want to have your youth ministry functioning and firing, ready to catch them, rather than kind of scrambling to work it out on the fly when you realise suddenly these kids are in your seven. Do we just leave them in the kids' ministry for another? Like, you want, you want to spot that stuff ahead of time. And one thing I'll say about kind of critical mass in youth ministry that goes along with that is um, typical, like, some youth ministries do just kind of um, wonderfully get evangelised into existence, cold turkey. There was no Christians and we found 20 teenagers and 10 of them became Christians. That happens, like, that, that kind of stuff does happen um, because youth ministry is crazy like that. Is my computer yeah. just hit close, I guess? I'll no. figure out how to yeah, do you it. Got it. No, don't worry about that. Um, yeah, so um, we're we talking about, we're talking, yeah. No, lost it. Yeah, so some youth ministries can kind of pop out of nowhere, um, but often they'll be pretty unstable and pretty volatile. So we've got 29 Christians and 10 of them are slowly thinking they're Christians. None of them are from Christian families. Youth ministries are born that way, rarely, but it's very hard work and often hard to sustain. Um, but usually youth ministries tend to explode when a, a good chunk of kids come through the kids' ministry to bring critical mass and it's not just, oh, hooray, we've got 50 kids because 50 kids came from the kids' ministry now, we're done. But actually that 50 kids brings a critical mass, which means when they start inviting their friends and momentum gains, there's something to bring them to. And so 50 kids becomes 100 kids and it, and it grows and booms from there when you get critical mass flying through the kids' ministry. So all I'm saying is pay attention to that uh, and staff accordingly and staff ahead of time, not reactively when it's too late. All right. Um, Can I interrupt, John? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, how do we think about this, I guess, in a church planning context? So when yeah. you know, we're a parent church or a grandparent church and we're yeah. sitting off you know, a good chunk of the young families because they're the ones yes. who want to go. Yes. And so the particular problem in your, you're talking from the parent church's yeah. perspective. So what's the profile of that church? Just spell it out for us. Uh, so 800 people on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of 120 kids in the kids' programs yeah. from years of reception or kindergarten through to year six, seven. Okay. Um, yep. And then we plant, we send families with about 50 of those kids away from a smattering right. of ages. Are you from Trinity as well? Is that right? Yeah, okay. So you're sending half of your kids' ministry away when you send. Okay. Well, so it sounds like you'd still have 60 kids in your kids' ministry, right? So I'd say, I presume you've still got a very viable youth ministry there. Yeah. But your planting ministry is um, incredibly costly to both your kids and your whole church, really. Um, but that's, I, I, youth ministry is highly scalable. So if you've got five kids, you can start a youth ministry that look different to 60 teenagers or whatever. Um, I think one of the questions is a complex question, but it's a worthwhile question to think about. In a church planning context like that, you've got two options. You can start... How many churches are in your Trinity network? Ten. Ten. So you could have ten youth ministries attached to the ten churches, um, and that could be good. There's strengths to smaller ministries, they've got an edge at other ones don't, and there's strengths to big centralised ministries. Your other option is, how, how far, if you put something dead in the middle, what would be the longest drive to get to it for those 10? Or for hour. eight of the, what's that? Hour. An hour, okay. <laughs> you, you've got, you, you can clump things, so you can centrally run a youth ministry that's big and booming, and maybe the majority come to, but some of those outliers in the vineyard area might need their own youth ministry. There's a whole bunch of options. Yes, the question I'm asking specifically with this is um, inflows when the church planning teams just want to think about yes. how do we get things running on day zero. We don't want to think about youth ministry. That's a yeah, second yeah, generation yeah. question. Yeah, like, you know, we'll, we'll burn that yeah. when we come to it. Like, yeah. yeah. How do we kind of deal with that? Yeah. Well, I think I think the inflow questions that you need to answer at the level of 
your particular church, not the whole network, is what is the inflow that I'm left with? <laughs> um, and you probably need to agitate and point out to the people making those decisions that their decisions are significantly impacting these things. I, yeah, I think a booming, strong youth ministry somewhere in that network will grow the gospel witness in that whole city. <laughs> and so make sure that the plan doesn't ruin the ability to do that. And you want to hold that in front of the people who make those decisions, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very particular context, though. It's yeah, yeah. Very I good to think trying about. to make it more broad just to... Yeah, to yeah. Parting yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we, we had a one campus plant down the road 20 minutes away. Um, and I think from the get-go... Well, I can't remember when. Anyway, we, we had a season where they were at youth group with us and we had a season where they had their own youth ministry and now they're just two separate entities. Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, anyway, we could talk more together about that. Um, so there's your inflow stuff and it's pretty simple because it's pretty much kids and then, of course, the evangelism you do. Um, outflow questions are probably a bit more complex. Um, so what are some possible destinations for outflows of the youth ministry? What are some places where your youth ministry, people leave your 12, where could they be going? Best case scenario, worst case scenario, what are they? Jobs, uni. Yep. So are you are you from a place where you, people graduate and tend to leave? Well, they can. Okay, where are you from? Western Sydney, Blacktown. Okay. And so, so, so they could go to uni in Sydney and stay on campus. Yep, yep. So one common experience, and I reckon a good number of people in this room, would be the experience of having people come through your youth ministry and tending to not then transfer into a young adult, say, in, in your church, but rather moving to... like So So my father-in-law is at um, Bathurst, and for his youth group people, a lot of them finish up in year 12 and then move to Sydney and other places for university or work and things like that. Um, and so that's a really common thing. And we'll, we'll press into that exact dynamic in a bit. So there's one. What's another possible pipeline flow out? Into your church. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And so another really good outcome. Um, and it's not that that is all about that is inherently bad, depending on what's happening for those people. But another really helpful one for growing your particular church is that they flow into adult church. Um, not that they probably weren't attending already, but they'll move from being, I'm a youth group kid, to now I'm an adult member of this church. Yep. Yeah. Other options? There's still at least one more. They can transition to leadership and not be part of the youth group. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which probably runs parallel to, to yeah, that. Okay, yeah, end up stuck in up stop, not, not Christian. Yeah, just, just fall away altogether. Absolutely. Um, and so this is yeah, that's a sad thought, but it's it's real. I mean, it was the statistic was it forty percent? Is that right? Forty percent of our teenagers in our church statistically uh, won't be there later on. That does now. That's a projected statistic. Maybe God under God that could actually change because of things we do about youth ministries in this room. Um, but there's a whole spectrum of outcomes. And the thing to note is that, um, like, that's kind of the. It's, I mean, the goal is seeing them as saints for the rest of their lives, in a sense, and equipping them to be that. Um, but at very least, you've got to have the goal: where are our youth landing out the other side of our youth program, as opposed to. How many are attending right now on a Friday? Huzzah. But what's the destination when they're leaving? Is a critical question to ask. Um, now, if you're in that... So what was your name, sorry, at, at Western Sydney? Glenn. Glenn. So if you're in a context similar to Glenn's where, uh, let's say, the majority of your youth tend to be graduating and, and heading off somewhere else around the country, a few, a few things I'd want to say in that context, just as you 
lean into that reality is that one thing I'd say is own that as your reality and be glad to send well-equipped teenagers onto the next stage and see that your youth ministry may not functionally grow your church in the way that some other ministries might in the individual church spaces, but that doesn't have to change the ability for your youth ministry to impact Australia as well-equipped teenagers are sent to other places. So own that reality um, and then send well. So rather than simply just go, ah, this is terrible, I'm not talking to you anymore. No one's doing that, right? Um, send them well. And so work out ways to do that well. So if you've got a lot of people moving away to uni, then you want to profile the destination places and the ways they can be involved and, and just send them well, um, depending on the scale. Like if you've got two year 12s leaving each year, sit down and have a coffee with them individually, you know. But if you've got a cohort of 10 year 12s leaving, the majority of them often going other places, you might want to run a whole afternoon or a series and talking about the next steps of life and all that kind of stuff, chatting about schoolies and other things they're going to run into, turning 18, a whole bunch of things that will happen um, in that season. Um, yeah, the other thing I would say, though, in the context of a church where the majority tend to go is own that, but you really do want to, for the sake of your church, and this, in a sense, might be beyond the scope of your job, but your church really should be trying to find a way to make, make it a genuinely viable option for them to stay as well. Because not everyone from these towns or places are all going to uni. Or like some of them are like, I want to live right here and whatever, do this apprenticeship right in front of me in Bathurst. Um, but you want a viable community for that person to join there. And so you've got to... Does that make sense? So you might not be shooting for the stars and expecting perfect flow from youth into that next stage. But you want there to be a viable option such that it's possible for them to stay and not just go, well, clearly I need to move to another church down the road that doesn't teach the gospel or whatever. You want them to have a destination, even if you're not expecting the majority to flow there. So work on that. And, and that's a system-wide thing. You can't just go, all right, I, I guess I'll run two things or three things now. You can't run the youth ministry and, and, and. But church-wide, you want to press into that with your leadership. Now, if you're in a youth ministry that is predominantly flowing into essentially adult church in your church, um, there's a bunch of things you want to be aware of there and a bunch of things you want to do well. Because just because that's the expected norm doesn't mean you'll actually do that well or capitalise on what you could just by virtue of that being the normal thing. You might have 20 people popping out the top of year 12 every year and, and it looks good, but actually when you dig around and look, uh, 10 of them are actually sticking in church and 10 aren't, and so you want to press into that. Um, so you guys, I get some thoughts from you guys actually. What are some things that you've done or seen done or heard of to help transition points in your ministry? So perhaps from kids into youth, what's some things that you've heard of or fun functionally seen done? Kids to youth or youth into adult church? What are some things that you guys have seen, modelled, yeah, etc. Yeah, what's some ideas? Yep. Uh, so alongside normal Sunday church, we've got connect groups, so Bible studies. Yep. Uh, and we started a, a transitional one that is for 18 to 23, 25-year-olds. Yeah. Finishing out a youth group, they don't jump straight into a full adult group because they're yeah. going to be intimidated yeah. by that so I can in the middle. So, so that group, does it have... Year 11 and 12s in it? Is no, that no, right? no. So, so finish school, uh, they'll finish youth when they finish yeah. school. And then, yeah. yeah. So, so the clear transition thing you're going is there's a clear destination as a community for you to belong to. How do you get people into that group? 
What did you do to uh, get so them we have up? the end of the year that those Bible study leaders would um, maybe visit youth group and introduce cool. themselves. They okay. would know most of them through Sunday mm. church. They're hopefully mostly most of the older youth are attending as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so one thing you do is you bring connection to your youth ministry. You don't just say, "This is great. You should know." We also do a thing on a Sunday. You'll meet some people there if you do come. But rather, some of those people come meet. Hey, come and join us on a Sunday. That's cool. Um, this is a general philosophy thing. So I'd say. Um, Transitions, I think kids to youth tends to be a pretty clean break. Does anyone have a season where their kids program people are also attending their youth ministry for the sake of transition? Because that's a, yeah, you got Run a year six, a youth group, but they're still in Sunday school. Okay, so the transition happens because they're attending kids on a Sunday morning. But imagine, so do you have a program on a Friday for year four or five kids or whatever? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we kind of have one. Uh, Heaps of things that's difficult about this, but yep. uh, our kids and youth ministry ran the same time slot for uh, yep. the church I just left. Yep. Um, which, yeah, you can, like, huge logistics and resource problems there, yep. but uh, transition-wise, it was wonderful. Um, families still just bring, doesn't matter, yeah, that's three cool. kids across so, the Particularly ages. for those parents. Um, but that gave us the ability to just pick, uh, in term three, we take a half-hour time slot, yep. where while they do their small groups in the kids' program, yep. the year six small group actually just comes and attends youth group for half that's an hour. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that... that kind of function in that way yeah um and the other thing we put into place there which we're now doing at, at the church i'm at as well where um where it's on at different times uh, is because we transition halfway through the year uh, yeah so, so term three we, we make us all of our transitions um so year 12 as well um we've got a, a leader who term one and two is a kids ministry leader and then they just come with the kids in term three and four and they become a youth group leader so yes, they actually yeah. keep their small group leader yeah. for that whole calendar year. Yeah. And then they move from one ministry into the next. Yeah, cool. So you've got it. So the common thing is like introducing leadership, connecting leadership across the gaps, things like that. Yeah, that leader just yeah. kind of has a foot in both ministry yeah. teams and, and yeah. helps bridge the kids across. Yeah, that's great. So there's a bunch of ideas. It, it's probably harder to have people operating in. There's literally people sitting in the corridor out there. <laughs> hey guys, sorry that you are. There's some space in here, but to be honest, it's probably a nicer air temperature out there because it's pretty stuffy in here. That's great. Um, come join us. <laughs> right. I think you said it's cold, is it? No, I said come and join us. Oh, it's good. It's, it's good. It's pulling me out. Um, anyway, it's probably harder to blend things from kids to youth. Those are a bunch of ideas. But certainly, um, I think a really good model from your youth ministry into your church. So, so some of you, your goal is um, that your youth are always attending adult church. For us, there's a transition where they're kind of coming with their parents on a Sunday morning up to year nine, and then years 10 to 12, there's this jagged edge. But um, what we don't want is, oh, quick, it's almost the end of year 12. You guys need to start coming to our young adults church. Let's get on board. But rather... Year 10, we'll sit a bit loose with if they're perhaps with us on a Sunday night. Year 11, we warmly encourage them. Year 12, we're really worried about you if you're not attending our Sunday night gathering as well as Friday night. So the transition doesn't look like this. It kind of looks like an overlap. Um, but, um, so I've lost my notes a bit. So we've talked about some, some, yeah, so there's some ideas for kids to youth. Do you guys have any thoughts about transitioning from youth to adult church? If that, in, you may not do this because there is no transition because they're always there. But if you do do it, what are some things you do? Uh, just thinking about getting uh, the older youth serving in teams uh, surrounding 
um, sort of adult church before they finish up that year. Yeah, so, cool. that so connecting them into ministries on a Sunday right. church so gathering. Yeah. Serving and shaping the community that, yeah. that we're encouraging them to continue to be part of post year 12. So yeah. they might be part of you know, welcome or, yeah. or set up or whatever it might be, mm. or, or sound or, or ideas cool. and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of a culture in our church where um, families like to go to church as families. Um, and most of that happens in the morning, but we do have an Arvo service that attracts more young adults and uni students, and so we kind of have to actively kind of encourage families to, to consider having their senior youth start going along to that congregation while they're also going to senior youth, yeah. um, so that they, um, they, they, I guess, start developing relationships and feel established in a church, so when they actually finish youth, if they do hang around at our church, that Arvo service is home for them in an independent way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not relying on their parents. Kind of yeah. yeah. Um, so that's something that we found helpful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we do a lot of things people talked about. Mm. We, one we've done, which wasn't intended for this purpose, but mm. was something we recognised actually was something we should capitalise on. We run, uh, so we, we talk about being part of the kids and youth ministry team. So whether yeah. you're a youth leader or a kids leader, like you're part of one yep. team, but you might yeah. serve in one of the areas. So it's yeah. a unified yeah. Thing. Uh, and that means that when we get together, we get all the leaders together for you know, training mm. and meetings mm. and things like that. Uh, and so we, you know, you're serving you know, someone who's leading a youth ministry. Yeah. Um, but the kids that you're leading are actually on this level of, you know, they're a leader in the kids ministry. And so you're actually serving on yes. this team. Yeah. And so you see that yeah. you're working together. Yeah. Um, also with some of the you know, adults who are there for morning congregations and yeah. actually alongside them. Yeah. And so that, that expression of a broader community that you belong mm. to yeah. outside of maybe Friday yeah. night. So finding ways to make them feel connected to the whole so happening whilst they're not yet. All the way through you know, the time yeah. that a kid that's might great. be leading. Another thought, back to um, I was just going to say things like um, opportunities for modelling manhood. Mm. Mm. Thing, you know, mm. a four-wheel driving thing mm. with some older fellows. Yeah. Yeah. The church that yeah. actually discipling taking on as as well as I do that, yeah. Yeah, outside youth. Yes, yes. And so what you're doing there isn't a formal program, but you're just creating these relational and discipleship connections to the whole. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's wonderful. Um, look, there's there's a million things you could do. One thing I'd say that is a bit of a no-brainer, but we still could easily forget to do these things is um do work around your roles. So probably borderline a little bit illegal to not keep a role for your kids' ministry. I presume, I presume, I'm sorry if I've said something that if you're not doing, but I presume you probably know who's at your kids' ministries if you won Friday or just Sunday, whatever. You're doing things with kids and I presume you're writing their names down and their parents' names and numbers down. Um, and so a no-brainer is, as you know, a cohort is leaving year six, you've got a working database, hopefully, of some numbers and so on. And so do some contact work with those people, whether it's through leadership under you or just you literally gross communication, text message, whatever. But do contact work with your pool of people. And what I, what I mean by that isn't um, check who was in your kids' program over the last two weeks at the end of year six and invite them to your youth ministry. But go back like a year and a half back through that pool of data, of attendance, and en masse invite them in because I'm, I imagine you've seen this dynamic, but everyone in year six is way too cool for their youth, their kids' ministry, but in year seven they're loving it and everyone in year nine is way too cool for their junior youth ministry, but in year ten, and so on and so on. And so do that contact work 
backdated a bit um, to anyone who's ever walked through the doors of your kids' ministry. Hey, it was great to have you over the years in our kids' ministry. I want to warmly invite you to something different and new and blah, blah, blah. And also you'll feel older there, you know. And so pull them across. Do, do um, role work is really important. Um, I think particularly leaving the later years of high school into adult church, you want to sell them a vision of owning it. And this might actually help that culture of everyone moves away to go to uni. Um, there might be, you might look around and go, there's not many people who are making good youth, in, youth leaders in our church at the moment. Um, but we've got some wonderful year 10 and 11 kids who are absolute guns. They're awesome. And I hope they don't move away as well. Start pitching a vision to them now about what could be if they stuck around to be the next generation of youth leaders in two years. Like, so sell a vision for the future and serving and making a difference. Um, yeah, have, try and make it a normal thing that if you leave, when you leave year 12, if you're a Christian who loves Jesus... We, we will invite you to come and serve in our next generation ministries, whether that's continuing in kids or whatever, or starting being a youth group leader or something like that. Like, make that the normal expected thing rather than a, you know, yeah, secret club or whatever. Um, another thing I'd say on that contact work front is you'll probably, have, by the end of youth ministry, if you've got a youth ministry of 50 kids or whatever, um, you'll have a role of people, some of whom the destination is pretty much you want them in a growth group of adults in adult church because they're Christians, but you might have five to ten contacts of people who over the last two years have a presence in youth ministry and they're not Christians. And so work out who those people are and give those ten names to someone who's running some sort of evangelism in your adult church. But, you know, Christianity Explored or whatever, we're going to have one in term one. Give those ten <coughs> names and just chuck out a text, hey, we're going to talk more about Jesus not like youth group days, it'll be for adults, you know, just do what you can. Anyway, there's a bunch of ideas around that. We're going to need to speed up a little bit just to, to cover the other uh, three or four areas to talk about. Um, so another one is the category of um, the serving revolution, which is seminars running right now for that. Um, and I want to say that youth ministry can um, impact and be impacted by the wider picture of people serving in your church in a whole myriad of ways, and it's really good just to be aware of that essentially it's youth ministry is a blessing and a curse to the wider functioning of people serving in ministry in your church. And I use the word curse a bit cheekily. It's a curse because your youth ministry, whether you realise or not, is an enormous drain on leadership resources in your church. That's just a reality. It, it uses up people's time and it's also a blessing because it's wonderful what it does um, for those people as they serve. Um, but you do need to own that our youth ministries particularly if you're someone responsible for thinking a bit more about the whole ecosystem of church, our youth ministries um, have a real bite in terms of the resource they use. Um, one way that it can bite is that you can find yourself in competition with the kids' ministry, where we're going to put our best leaders, should they be here, should be there, there's one thing. The other thing, this is probably more common, I think, is our youth ministries can easily um, take and use the best hours and the best people who would otherwise perhaps be focused on um, reaching out to young adults in your church, uh, growing young adults, reaching young adults in your community. Youth ministries are a pretty good competitor for that. Uh, youth, youth leaders can come from a variety of ages and places, but often our youth leaders are 18 to 25, 30-year-olds, often. Um, and those 18 to 25, 30-year-olds are the people who we also want on mission to the young adults us in the central coast of youth and so on and so on and so your youth ministry can rub up against the ability to run an effective ministry to young adults because it's run 
by young adults. And so that's a really tricky dynamic that you just have to own and seek to navigate. Um, but a really common dynamic I've seen over the years is flourishing youth ministry and okay ministry to young adults. It gets by, kind of gets the second hand scraps as best you can. I think when that happens, the, the normal profile is large youth ministry going well, majority of young adults pretty much running it, giving all their time to that. Um, really mature young adults in that church who are running a large youth ministry, which is really good for them, grows and matures, and that's really wonderful. Um, but typically, it's very hard for that ministry to be reaching other young adults. So your evangelism happens in youth, and then we stop because we're all doing evangelism to youth as young adults. Just be aware of that dynamic um, and, and keep an eye on it. Um, and so one thing you should probably pay attention to is um, the size of... Well, I, it doesn't have to be young adults, but whatever the pool of people is that are where you're drawing your youth leaders from, look at the size of that pool of people and look at the size of your youth ministry. So if the expected norm is our young adults or our youth group leaders, how many young adults are in your young adult service or in that, you know, how many young adults are in your church? What's the, that pool of people? What's the size of your youth ministry? And turn it into an equation and you'll learn some interesting things about whether you've got problems or not, essentially. So if, you, if you've got a youth ministry that's like double, quadruple the size of your young adults ministry, you will forever be chasing leadership for your youth ministry unless you get creative about where you're going to source leaders from and find other ways to do that. Um, if you're in a church with a large, booming university ministry attached to a university or something like that, you'll probably have a, a million people dead keen to do youth ministry. Um, so I'm, it sounds like I'm talking in a way where I expect that only young adults can lead in youth ministry. That's not the case. It's just common practice. Um, but recognise that it's a drain. It's, it's a curse in one sense. But my goodness, it is also a tremendous blessing to the whole church, the whole ministry ecosystem. It is a huge blessing um, because for the people who participate in that sort of a youth ministry, um, it does wonderful things to those leaders themselves. Of course, there's a wonderful thing that you're doing to the youth in front of you as they get led. Um, but our youth ministries are the most incredible training ground and doing ground. Like you, You're not just training, you're doing something real when you do youth ministry. But it raises up so many good youth, so many good leaders, doesn't it? Um, it, it raises up preachers, it raises up, it raises up growth group leaders, it raises up just people who are keen and their servant hearts grow. It does a wonderful thing. Um, so your youth ministry will have a drain on your church ecosystem, but it will contribute to the outcome of blood service, flourishing and growing people and sending people into MTS and beyond. Like it's a wonderful thing, but it's costly as well. It's worth being aware of that. Um, one other thing I'll talk about this idea of um, what have I written here? The serving revolution. We talk about ministry as an area to, to work on here at EV. But in the serving revolution, um, one other thing to note is that your youth ministries can be a place where you raise up teenagers to be people of service. I think that's literally your job description, right? Is that right? Yeah. Your job is to, to mobilise teens into, into ministry themselves. And so recognise the opportunity that we have in our youth ministries if they're, um, you know, flourishing communities of people where you can mobilise the youth themselves to, to reach out and to, to be on mission and to be serving in ministries. Um, one little dynamic to watch in this is um, you need to make a conscious decision, not a reactive or laid-back decision, um, as to when people 
are allowed to be leaders in your youth ministry. So if you let your year 11 and 12 kids become leaders of the year 7 and 8 kids or whatever, you can do that, but you need to recognise that you'll probably cut the nerve of the ability to reach years 11 and 12 kids. You'll mature the year 11 and 12 years the year 11 and 12 kids you've got, but it's very hard to come in as a non-Christian and I'm in year 11, and I'm not one of the leaders, but all the other year 11 and 12 people are. It's, you kind of, it's very hard to reach out at that point. So you want to make a conscious decision about when you would allow a youth age kid to be a leader. So we typically have a really hard line, even though we've got some year 12 kids who would make better leaders than half our leaders, some of them are just guns, you're a youth kid and you're on mission to your year 12 friends, not here to lead the year seven kids. So keep that, you've got to work that out. Um, but within the youth ministry, there's all sorts of ways you can mobilise your youth to serve. And so build connecting teams around them and set up teams. And if you have a music ministry, get them serving in the band. Don't just get your young adults to do it all. And what, whatever, just anything you can imagine. Some sort of a big evangelistic night that your youth is running. Mobilise youth, kid. the sky's the limit. But you can see really cool things happen uh, when you mobilise youth kids into service. So think about that. Um, on the area of mission, I think we just called this mission in our booklet. There's the mission stuff the guys have been talking about all week. I want to say our youth ministry is one whopping opportunity for mission in the whole church ecosystem. Um, youth ministry almost, I think, stands alone as an opportunity. Um, and, of course, there's opportunities in other places, but it's a unique opportunity. 81% of people become Christians statistically in Australia before they're 20. Um, and a good bunch of them are people who have essentially always known the Lord as they grew up in the kids' ministry. The, the highest proportion of people who are converted from I'm not a Christian, not from non-Christian background to I'm now a Christian, that happens in teenage years. And it's wonderful. Um, high school is a particularly unique time of life. I know I'm probably preaching to the converted here, but it is such a unique time. Um, socially, your best friends, even if you're a keen Christian, usually your best friends are the people you go to school with, not the people you go to church with, even though you might be a really keen Christian. And when you leave high school, that tends to invert. Um, pr primary school is similar to this, but primary school um, has the disadvantage of having parents who are a lot more protective about what I will and won't let my kid to go and be a part of and so on, whereas high school has all the same dynamics of friendship with everyone and anyone in my school, and also their parents like, if you want to go to that Jesus thing, I guess you can. And so inviting is rife. And teenagers make really good evangelists as well. Um, this is in our context, just by way of example. Um, uh, tomorrow I might be able to help me with this. How many kids would we usually get on the roll from our kids' ministry in year six? Changes different numbers. Yeah, like, so, yeah. Um, well, whatever it is, often we have doubled or tripled it. Yeah. So if we get a roll of, say, 50 kids from year six who are involved in after school, our Friday Arvo thing and our Sunday morning together, that roll might be 50 year six kids in a year. Is that right? In a year, that roll of people who we now know to be in year seven who have come to our youth group at least once goes from 50 to 100 or 150 people just through sheer crazy inviting. It's just we're not doing anything good to make that happen. It's just they're just doing it. These teenagers, just it's easy to invite your friends to a youth group. Um, well, sorry, it can be easy to invite your friends to youth group, but some youth groups could be really hard to invite to, so you want to make sure youth group is a place that is easy to invite your friends to. But anyway, there's an enormous opportunity there, huge opportunity for people to come in and, and hear the gospel. Yeah. Have you guys got stats on the 50 that came from church, then the 100 that came in the year, how many of them 
are going church. Yeah, yeah. So, so that fifty is our entire role of both evangelistic contacts and church <coughs> okay. family kids. So that yeah. fifty is everyone we know of in Year Six who's been to anything with us in Year Six. Yeah, and that'll grow to hundred or one hundred fifty years. Yeah. To give you an idea at the other end of our particular context of our youth, this shows the impact of youth ministry. I think anywhere generically, um, uh, if whatever, if 20 people leave our year 12 and come into our night church at the end of it, and they're already there, but they're now, this is the place you live, not youth kind of thing. Um, I would guess around 40, I'm going to sit down and do the math on this one day, but I, would, I think it's around about 40%-ish of them are not from Christian family. So we've got a young adults church service that has got lots and lots of people who aren't from a Christian family. And so we've got this weird thing where we've got young adults who like need to learn how to parent their dysfunctional parents because they didn't grow up Christian, but they're Christian solely converted now. So youth ministries can make a wonderful impact on the whole church ecosystem by doing good evangelism and then disciple, growing them up in the faith. In youth ministry means they pop out the other side into adult church and contribute wonderfully to the whole. So it's a great opportunity. Um, one thing I'd say as well, um, nah, I'll leave that, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, oh, so one other contribution to the whole is this. Often we can teach people to be good evangelists when they are teenagers. Um, so it's harder to teach an old dog new tricks. And so one opportunity we have is to raise up people who are courageous enough to, to speak the gospel, to throw out an invite, to, to do all that kind of stuff when they're teenagers, and that's a habit that can carry on into adulthood as well. And so take that opportunity to raise up your youth as evangelists, as inviters, and so on now. Um, and the other thing I'd say is a blockage to watch is you might raise them up to be good evangelists during high school, but they can very easily lose their non-Christian friends by the time they're now university age. So... If you've got a hump, you know, the, the typical profile of the person who is a youth group leader, they're 20 years old or whatever in church somewhere, heavily involved, they might not actually have as many non-Christian friends anymore because they're pouring themselves into all of this, whereas in year 11, they have all these mates. So help people think about keeping those non-Christian contacts even as they get more and more involved in church. Uh, last thing we'll talk about is, um, I don't think we had any um, material on this, this conference, but it's kind of assumed in the background of all, but the idea of maturing people in the faith, essentially. How does youth ministry contribute to that whole ecosystem um, in the area of maturing people in the faith? Um, this is a kind of foundation of youth ministry. I, I hope you've worked this out by now, but um, uh, two things are true. <laughs> deep, um, deep youth group kids who grow deep in the faith as youth group kids equals deep adults later on. And... Deep leaders who are mature in the faith equal lead to growing deep youth group kids. Those two things are heavily interconnected and they're the inverse of each other. So first of all, deep youth equals deep adults. Um, just like there's this unique opportunity to reach out and meet and see people evangelise as teenagers, youth is such a wonderful time to see people deepen in the faith and form deep convictions and love of the scriptures and know God deeply. That happens so awesomely for teenagers, and I would say as well, kind of through to 25, but people tend to not grow in leaps and bounds as much the older they get. And so we've got a unique opportunity to, to really deepen people in the faith as teenagers, and so push into that. It's such a wonderful, unique time. Um, it's, that's, that principle is kind of 
presumed in the background of everything I've talked about in our whole youth ministry here at least, um, to the point that I forget to talk about it. But man, what an awesome thing it is to deepen youth in the faith. Um, so push into that. And I would say as well, um, if you're in a church where the culture of that church is um, been on about seeing deep disciples and followers of Jesus may, if that's the culture of your church, um, that's awesome. Um, but if you're in a new church where that's the culture, that's the goal, but it's a relatively new church, you'll find your adult church is a very... Uh, diversity is good, but your adult church will have some very mature people and some very deep people in it as people kind of gather around this mission of getting really serious about Jesus. But growing up through a kids' ministry and a youth ministry and then into adult church in a church where the whole time the, the, the catch cry has been knowing the Lord deeply in the Word, if you grow up in that kind of a context, it does produce wonderfully deep disciples into adult life and it equips them really well. And so get excited about the bigger picture of what you're doing there. Um, yeah, so on that idea of mature leaders lead to mature youth, um, that's, that's a bit of a no-brainer. <laughs> but what you need to own there is that the maturity of your leaders is going to massively impact the maturity of your youth in your youth ministry. And so that's a wonderful place to start investing is in those leaders to see them deep themselves. And you need to keep your eye open for things that are like cultural holes or uh, sins or issues within your youth ministry. So big problems with the leadership in your youth ministry uh, transfers into your, your youth as well. So you've got to infect your youth in the right way, not the wrong way. Um, some thoughts around um, teaching content and Bible content in your youth ministries. Um, so in terms of what things might you teach from the scriptures and so on as you run your youth ministries, there's at least two options that I can see. You could come up with a really tight syllabus of things that you want to teach over three years or six years or whatever and say, this is our syllabus, a six-year cycle or whatever, and you work your way through that syllabus so that anyone who's with you from year 7 to 12 always gets to do Romans or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You could do something like a syllabus. Um, you could sync up your teaching with church, with adult church, um, and so, you know, um, what they're doing in Bible studies, church is doing in Bible studies, and so on. You know, if, if all of your youth always attend your Sunday gatherings, that would add complexities, but it's not, it's not unavoidable. Um, some pros of um, syncing up your teaching with your, your church stuff, some pros of that is your leaders get really well equipped to lead good Bible studies. So if your adult Bible studies, say, are one week ahead of your youth ministry's ones, your youth leaders can sit in adult Bible studies around Colossians 1 and they can lead a study on it the next week, perhaps. It also means it's easy to produce material because you can lean on other resources being built within church. Um, some cons. <laughs> um, you, you lose freedom to move exactly where you'd like. You've got to stay in line with what church is doing. Um, you won't be able to hit topics as readily as you'd like to in some ways. Whereas Jordan is preaching on 1 Corinthians 11 this week at youth group. So there's the, the dark side of being synced up with our church. Enjoy that. Um, not that you don't want to preach 1 Corinthians 11, but it's going to be a very tricky night at youth group to, to preach on that, I think. Um, anyway, there you go. Um, I will say on youth maturity Bible study, Valley Read Notes resources and stuff like that. Rach, could you put up your hand? That's Rachel, she's in a pink jumper thing. She runs the Era of Maturity at EV Youth, and we produce a lot of Bible study uh, 
uh, daily reading those type material, they were happy to distribute to people in like term chunks. So you might be like, do you have Colossians? And we can go, here's Bible studies and daily reading on Colossians. So feel free to talk to her if you want to steal resources off her. And there's lots of other great resources all around the place. And John, so yep. on the following adult teaching, yep. is the what? So we don't just take their studies necessarily and go. No, 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 no. Following no. their teaching, no, no, there no. it is. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. follow passages. So, so the benefit is you might read them for a breakup and a helpful structure for the term, but we don't just grab adult things yeah. and say youth, youth leaders. Although you could sometimes with data reading notes or something, but I think you want to change a lot as well. But you can leverage off it if you follow, but you lose your freedom and agility. Anyway, oh, there's still more. What is the time? I'm sorry, guys. Some of you have fallen asleep in this hot room. There's 20 minutes left. So. Okay. All right. I'm going to finish up in like five minutes and then chuck around questions or finish early if we want. Um, one other area is um, around the, what's the next slide say? Intentional gatherings. So how does, how could your youth ministry be impacted by and, and um, contribute to the whole church ecosystem in the space of intentional gatherings? Um so one question you want to ask is probably what size of a number of youth would warrant starting a gathering for those youth? Uh, by gathering, I mean something that looks vaguely like a church service of sorts. Um, so if you've got uh, five kids, in, like five youth-aged teenagers in your church right now, you probably don't want to try and run a gathering for them where you get together in a hall and attempt to sing and preach a sermon at them and stuff like that's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, so you need to recognise that in that context you have this enormous ability to do just a very youthy youth group where you get together in a lounge room and you, uh, this group we go and movies or whatever, you do Bible studies and things like that. Um, I would suggest, so, you know, your youth group's 20 people and there's one person with one afternoon a week have worth of energy to run it. We have two leaders who sometimes come, you know, 20 kids or whatever. If you are already preaching a sermon week in, week out in a youth ministry where you've got 20 people, my guess is 90% of your energy is going into writing a sermon every single week. And I would suggest you might want to hold off on heading into that space of writing a preached sermon for a while and just find a resource, like just grab Bible studies from Matthias or whatever or just work your way through book like find a way to deliver Bible content to that smaller group of people in small groups or something like that and work on the youth ministry as a whole for a season. Mm -hmm. But once you get to a critical mass, more 30 or above, those are arbitrary numbers, but the bigger it gets, the more worthwhile it becomes to work on preaching sermons to that same group of people because of the efficiency of doing that. So don't presume you should be writing sermons to three teenagers in a lounge room. That might be socially weird. So, anyway, so you'll, you'll build in pieces of a gathering type thing the more people become just necessarily. Um, so you want to think about what point you might start preaching sermons. Um, you might want to build a youth min uh, a music ministry into a youth group perhaps. Um, some people do that. Um, but don't go there when it's premature to be overreaching for this thing that's just going to be a big resource drain when it's not worth it. So you might not do that until there's 80, 100 people in the room or something who knows. Um, but you want to pay attention to that. Um, but if you do head down the place, down the road of making your youth ministry a thing that is something that looks more like a church service, a gathering, there's some awesome things that will contribute to the whole ecosystem if you do do that. One thing is it becomes a pipeline for musicians and um, people who do production and PowerPoint and sound and all that kind of stuff. If, if that ministry is functioning in your youth group, you'll be raising up people who start earlier in those 
particular ministries and get quite good at it as time goes on. Um, and so there's a, there's a thing you can press into there. The other thing I'd say is that um, I think our youth groups have a very, this, is, this is almost the same thing as everything I've said really, but there's a unique opportunity in high school, right? I think you can shape people as gathered worshippers at a young age that you typically won't form people when they're 40. Um, and so you can create culture of joyful gathered worship in a youth ministry that will flow into adult church and become the norm there as well. Um, so there's another opportunity to press into. Um, but there you go. Um, there's a bunch of thoughts under a bunch of headings. What is the time? It is quarter past. We might chuck around questions for five, ten minutes, and then I might say we're done, but then people who want to chat more can hang around more and ask more questions, and other people can escape this hot room. So, yeah, any, any questions while we're sitting here? And if you need to dash now, just please dash. Yeah. Yep. Um, just thinking through, because you said you got maybe you bring fifty kids from your six, and then by the end of the year it's doubled. Yeah. Do you find a um, there's a distinct? That's our role, not so it's not that we sure. now have that the, the, the contact list is doubled. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, do you find a you know a you know distinctiveness mm. or a trouble connecting in um, outside youth that's been invited into this sort of like core with mm. up in this church? Is that youth group? Yeah. This is just our experience here. I'm interested to other people's thoughts as well. But I think it's not very hard to assimilate into a youth group in years seven to nine um, because typically people are less mature in that age. So it's harder to tell the non Christians and the Christians apart. So there's still some blockages. Um, But you can go from, I don't know, Jesus to a converted and pretty cool pretty quickly uh, and then the older they get typically the harder that gets and so a years 10 to 12 can probably have a more clicky might not be the right word there's more the cultural clash between the hardcore non-christian and the christian in years 10 to 12 is a much louder clash and so so i'd say if i was to stereotype massively our year seven to nine problem can be how do we control this mob of people some of whom are lots of whom are christian lots of whom aren't and the non-Christians can influence things, and that's a tricky dynamic. Years 10 to 12, it's more like, come on, we're Christian here, and then the non-Christian feels like the outsider. So this year, for the first time, I remember year 10 kids coming into our, into our older crew, still being like the annoying non-Christian junior youth kid in year 10, like making fart noises in the talk, and everyone else in the room is going, what is wrong with you? Like, just like, this is just, you're a weirdo. And, and they kind of... I don't know if they figured it out yet. They figured out they're weird or they're still making fart noises. I think they know it and they'll still do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a particularly robust bunch of year 10 kids. But yeah, so there's a yeah, yeah. So there's a piece of the dynamic. In terms of what do you do about that? So 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 there's a goal, I don't know. What would you do about it? I think the key is bringing your youth along with you with the mission that you're on. So sometimes non-Christians arrive and leaders go, yes. And the, and the Christian kids go, I don't like them. They're the yucky person at school. And you're like, what is wrong with you? They need to hear the gospel. And so you want to bring your youth along with you and envision them to be on mission, to welcome, have them running the connect teams and so on and so on, and, and help them to value the outsider and not despise the outsider. And you must protect them. So you don't want the outsider coming in and bullying your Christian kids and driving them out of the youth group. So there's a delicate ecosystem there to 
look out for buzzer yeah. Yeah, just uh, thanks for that. Just keen to maybe hear some lessons that you guys have been on as you're thinking about roles of your leaders, because um, uh, yes, you know, within the ecosystem, you kind of think about that in the youth ministry context yes, exactly. as well as yeah. are, but also yeah, just yeah. their role as you know, leading, leading, being in the word and all that sort of stuff. So how Absolutely. have your role been um, so that kind of stuff is typically the bread and butter of the kind of things I've done in seminars today. I don't know if today felt like a bit of a bizarre topic, but it was about how youth ministry fits with the whole church. And so this hasn't been just a seminar about youth ministry. Lots of it is about how it connects to the whole. So, But that's at the guts of our ministry. What are we doing with our leaders? If you've got a, a full, well-trained leadership team, your youth ministry will grow. And if you don't, it won't, unless it's a crazy room of 100 people with no supervision, they'll enjoy that as well, but it won't be doing much for them. Um, so there's whole seminars that we could talk through on that. Um, one, this will be more helpful than anything I can say right now. So one thing I'd say is if, so Tamara, chuck your hand up, or I don't know if you should be chucking your hand. So Tamara um, runs our Year 7 and 9 program, and so she has a, a resource handbook that we use to induct our leaders into youth ministry. Um, and we've got a similar one for years 10 to 12. I don't think we've got any room for that. But anyway, so just come find tomorrow if you like. And so she can give you our leader's handbook, which is like a 30 page thing. We'll spend an hour and a half a weekend thing taking leaders through, outlining their responsibilities, expectations around godliness, what you're doing as a youth group leader and so on. Um, and then lots of other units of training that are contained in that book. But this is our leader's handbook so there's a helpful resource you can look at as an example for us my guess is there's probably half a dozen of those or a dozen of those in the room as well and so you talk to one another there's that's comprehensive but you're after what was it like lessons over the years yeah i guess so and maybe the way you've evolved as um but it's too big a question yeah it's, it's a broad big question <laughs> but it's a really helpful one um I don't know, there's a lot of things that... Do you have any immediate reflections tomorrow, or um, Jordy? Like, uh, if we're talking about story of the... Do you want to say, like, how we've gone from, like, we had free agents for a while, but then we decided that didn't work, and so... Yeah. I feel like that's one example. Yeah, we've, we've tried a million things here. Um, so, one thi so one thing we worked out was... Um, yeah, this is a broad principle. You, you need leadership ready and available to catch growth when it starts to arrive, not reactively. Does that make sense? So if you've just got enough leaders for 30 kids and then 40 kids start attending, you're outside of your capacity. So you need to find a way to, to, to get leadership in with some fat such that when new people come, you're ready to catch them versus new person came, but this leader's got eight Christians that I'm very busy and that one's family sick and I'm and I'm ignoring this new person. So you need to find a way to have leadership there ready to catch growth as it arrives rather than reactive. Um, so one thing we tried was a thing called free agents. So we, we attach leadership, well this is, a, this is a, a very important but basic thing I'd say is you do want to find a way somehow to attach specific leaders to specific kids within a youth program. So you've got 30 kids, you don't want to just say leaders or five of them Go, there's 30 of them, you work out who you're going to intentionally disciple here because typically there'll be this kid who's friendly and outgoing and asks lots of questions and then there's the naughty kid and if I'm a leader and I'm feeling a bit tired, I'm going to talk to the friendly kid. In fact, all five of us talk to this kid and ignore the other naughty kids or whatever. 
Um, so you want to find a way to structure things somehow. You know, you're the leader of year seven and eight girls or whatever, or you four are the leader of year seven boys, depending on your scale. Um, you want to attach leadership to specific kids somehow, and that's kids who you've got who are Christians, and then also have a way of knowing, oh, a new year 10 boy arrived. Who's on that kid? And you don't want it to be you, the youth pastor. You want to, you want to have a leadership team mobilised ready. Um, but we try to think of free agents where we said, all right, these, these people are leading out these Christian kids, they're attached to them, and then we've got these floating leaders on each year. And what we found was very hard for those leaders to um, uh, exist in our youth ministry, waiting for the hypothetical person who may not be there yet. That's a tricky leadership position. So we've typically still attached people to year groups with a group of kids, knowing that every year group's got capacity to also reach out and welcome in. That's one thing. But there's a million things we've talked about. Do you have any? I think that's a good yeah. example. Yeah. Other questions? So uh, I know it doesn't sound like you're calling them 5Ms anymore, but the church... Oh, right? well, no, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From 5Ms, does the youth group have 5Ms? Yeah, yeah. So full disclosure, I literally made that PowerPoint and just had the five ends in there. <laughs> and then I was like, no, I'm going to line this with the conference, not what my church did. So I changed it to names I couldn't remember. But yeah, so we do run five <laughs> A bit outed. Um, but the point is, I'm trying to talk principles, not do five ends, right? Um, but you, sorry, your question though was... Yeah, so the question yeah. is, within your youth group, yeah. are there... 5M teams running the youth Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so I would describe our youth ministry as having um, a classic youth ministry structure that is scalable and probably similar to all of you in that we would have um, leaders who are there to see youth um, caught as disciples and grown as disciples um, under leaders, under leaders and so on. So our structure is Jordan oversees our youth ministry since I've stepped out and then we have... Um, Tamara and a guy and girl and a guy over years 10 to 12, 7 to 9. Um, and those leaders, those guys also have, um, they have all the year groups under them essentially and we also have a, a what's called a year group coordinator. So the year 10 girls year group coordinator and the four leaders with her are chasing year 10 girls under Lauren and Jasper's leadership. So we have that, it's just a kind of a line management structure for our youth ministry. And I think in lots of ways that remains the bedrock of our youth ministry structure and if I had to choose between having five M's or having that I would choose that I wouldn't chuck that out the window but additionally we run a five M structure through sorry for, for Rachel and our membership and maturity person out the back like ah um, but you guys are also leaders I'm not, hang on, I'm not going to dig a hole um, but the end stuff is, is really really helpful and really important but it's overlaid over the top of that discipleship structure um, and feeds it and assists it and so on and so so a mission person would be focused on running mission events and running an equivalent of life for teenagers and uh, championing the purpose of mission through our youth ministry and getting our youth on board with mission and profiling mission and uh, uh, centrally managing the follow-up of new Christians but again using that leadership structure the, the, the form of structure I talked about so it's, so the M's work through that discipleship structure. And would the ma so the yeah. mag person, would they also be the mag person at 1030? No. Oh, actually, well, yes. In our case, the person who's running our mag ministry is also running um, our night mag ministry, but not morning. But that that's, that's only just recently happened for the first time, actually. Um, yeah.
So we run that structure through. Um, yeah, so, so I will just do this really quickly. Um, uh, Sophia, chuck your hand up. Sophia oversees our membership area. If you are a person who's somehow connected to trying to connect people into your youth <coughs> ministry, be good to chat to Sophia. She can learn from you, you can learn from her and so on. Rach oversees maturity for growing the Christians. I think that's all we've got in the room. There's other people I can introduce you if you're responsible for a particular thing. Anyway, yeah, other questions? So just on that, um, are those people that are in charge of those different ends, yep. are they also like leading a group or are they kind of a Often. separate? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say if you're, so our youth ministry now on a Friday night is 250 kids and quite a few MTS involved, like a lot of staff. Um, and in that context, we now have, some, but not all, of our M people, their main job is I'm here to coordinate mission, drive that here, and I'm not attached to any one year group. So in that sort of a context, that makes sense. So what's your name again? Josh. Oh, sorry, the person in front of you, I've forgotten your name. You, yes, Sophie. you. Sophie. So Sophie runs ministry at, what church again? Uh, St. Paul's. At St. Paul's. Um, and I think this is the perfect model, um, but she, she's running ministry, but she's also responsible for what year group girls? I'm leading ten girls. Yeah, and so that just makes that's a no-brainer. You don't want to have a person attending a youth group of forty people or whatever going. I am here to look after ministry. I hope these kids get looked after. Like you, just do both. Just wear two hats, and so yeah, for a while until scale requires that you don't. I'd say. Quick mission question. You said it's better, you know, time to train youth. Do you have any resources that you like to use to train youth in evangelism, mission? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that partially ties into some of the stuff that um, Graham was talking about today in that I would say our sense of priority for our youth ministry in the way we're trying to mobilise them in mission would mean that we're working on their confidence and conviction primarily. Over the years, we probably did more training and, and less these days. Um, and, and we don't spend ages regularly trying to train all of our youth in mission. We have taken them all through um, Two Ways to Live before. So we, I can't remember how we did it. It was Bible studies, wasn't it? So we left the normal teaching series and I think we took them through, trained them how to present a box per week of Two Ways to Live in their Bible studies over six weeks and things like that. Um, and it's good also just for evangelism. <laughs> Can you explain this? You know, you're teaching them the gospel as you do it. Um, but we haven't done heaps of stuff like that um, lately, uh, but more than that broader ecosystem, confidence and conviction, and seeing them do stuff, you know, going into their high schools and running lunchtime groups where they're evangelizing their mates and bringing and chatting and, yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys have a, like, a life course for your yeah, um, yep. youth ministry? So and, I, and just to, another one, so <coughs> if you get a non-Christian along or mm. lots of non-Christians along, mm. um, do you just funnel them straight into that? Yeah. Um, so um, if you heard Hunter Bible Church <coughs> talking about their mission stuff earlier, <coughs> I think they said this in their seminar, Hunter Bible Church for them, their front door to mission things is their mm. life type series. This is for adults. Um, here at EV, in our night church and in our youth ministry and to a certain extent probably a morning church as well, our front door is actually our church gathering. Not that we're... We're not running seeker services or something like that. It's just people come to church first, generally, and then, they, then they'll often end up going through a thing like that. And that's certainly the case for our uh, Jesus Uncut, it's called, which is more of life. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're nailing that. Like, we're doing it, and it's some people have been converted, and it's been good. 
but lots more people then convert in other spaces other than that. And we run it particularly for year seven and nine kids, and we now just invite our year 10 to 12 kids to come through our adult life series, which I think they have a heaps higher confidence in that event than the event we're currently running, which is okay. Um, it's, it's highly scalable, what we're doing there, and we're happy to share that material. The best person to talk to is Jordan, just over there. He speaks at it, he can distribute material that we use if you're interested in doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, just wrap up. We're done. I went way over. No, no, you're good. Um, round of applause to Jono. Thanks so much.